0: listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Friday afternoon, and I'm super delighted to welcome back to the studio the one and the only Cruz Cruise McCalligan. Cruzy, it's great to see you. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. So we're
1: doing a bit of an end of the week call. We are, because I got rained out on Wednesday. I'm with so that, glad that you... That typhoon what came out of nowhere. How do you pronounce it? Whip-ha? Whiffer. <laughs> I say um, whip, whipper, but, whip her, I, but I think whiffer, whiffer, whiffers, whiffer. I think if we do the PH, like a fill sound, whiffer. Oh, yeah. Whiffer yeah. sounds. Um, but yeah, that came out of nowhere. So I'm here today I'm on a really Friday. Pleased.
0: Yes, something to, for me to look forward to <laughs> and the, the listeners as well. So what have you got for us uh, this week?
1: Okay, I'm talking about canned food. And I actually can't contain contain. That was a that was a that was Good a pun. can canning yeah. pun. Um, I can't contain my excitement about it because it's really really interesting. I didn't think it would be this interesting, and then I started researching it and there's just not enough time and too much to say it's fascinating so we're talking about canned food okay so i'll start with some we'll I'll ease you into it because it's got quite an interesting history firstly do you eat canned food i do yeah? Yes. what kind of things do you eat out of cans uh,
0: uh, tuna sometimes i'll have a soup yeah um sometimes i mean i like these sp- spicy mackerels that they oh, used to do yes yeah you I know which ones you mean
1: yeah. oh a staple. Pantry yeah, yeah. staple. I yeah. hear
0: Anne-Marie Evans is also oh, yeah. A, a, yeah, fan. a fan. A
1: fan, yeah. yeah. There's, this, there's a secret club of us, I think. <laughs> there is. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm a huge fan of canned food. And I think I have been since I was a student. And even now, I'll think, oh my goodness, we've got nothing to eat. I've got nothing to feed my family that ticks the nutrition and calorific and taste boxes all at once. And then I think, wait, check the cans. And there will always be some cans, right? And I'm a big believer in having like, canned food in your pantry and that you can still have a healthy diet eating canned food, right? So um, so anyway, so I already had this, this view going in to researching canned foods. Now uh, canned veggies, uh, despite what people might think, are not loaded with preservatives. So a lot of people steer clear of them because they think they are, but they're not because the the heat and the pressure that's used to canned vegetables actually keeps bacteria out and seals the freshness in. So get rid of that myth. Um, They're still loaded with nutrients for that reason. Uh, They also have, of course, the one thing we all know about cans is they have a wonderfully long shelf life, right? That's the thing about a can. It can just be in your shelf for years and years and years and years. And I know I have some that I just, a couple of refried beans or for some reason canned kale I thought was a good idea at the time, which it's just been there since like 2012, right? And that's fine. And I'm pretty happy that it can remain there for a couple more years and I'll feel confident opening it right canned kale canned kale yeah wow, well it was much fancy. cheaper than the fresh version <laughs> yeah. i'll tell you that um, but of course that you don't really need to worry about cans uh cans spoiling now um the when we talk about cans the really interesting thing to think about is that um canned foods originated because people were trying to find ways to preserve food we've been doing this from the dawn of humanity we we need our food to last it's really difficult to hunt and gather every single day right like so preservation food preservation pres- preservation has been just part of who we are for a long long time and and the can is part of that story well so, look
0: at the typhoon you know every time there's a typhoon in hong kong the canned food section i know which is, is hilarious because if i were you
1: i'd just take all the fresh food food because we're not talking about going on an arctic expedition for three years we're talking about probably 48 hours of disruption you know but the canned
0: food aisle is often
1: oh it's so funny (laughs) it's so funny now of course um the the conventional canning as we know it today was kind of began with a frenchman called Nicolas Appert now he was the original food in jars guy so he was one of the first people who thought I'm going to put food in jars now he was a Parisian confectioner and a chef and he began experimenting with preservation in the late 1700s And now he did. um, He successfully preserved lots of things. So soups, vegetables, juices, even dairy, more or less, because obviously dairy, obviously always a bit dodgy to try and preserve a bit of dairy. Um, He believed that it was the presence of air that led to food spoiling. And many of his early experiments were dedicated to removing that element. But he was wrong. Okay, so it's not just air that can lead to food spoiling um but he wasn't alone in that way of thinking and in the early 1700s cooked meats were preserved over short periods of time by covering them with a layer of fat to protect them from air right so people were already kind of sealing stuff in with wax and fat thinking the air was spoiling things now um what he what the next stage in this whole process was was um again there was kind of a fire lit under his bum to try and find a solution Because Napoleon and the French government, uh, they were hoping to find more effective ways to feed troops. And like, this is this really sad reality when we look at human history, is that so much innovation comes from periods of war, War. right? You know, it's mind-blowing. But the same thing happened with canned food. So he offered a prize. He did like a, basically like a food preservation hackathon. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's for like 12,000 francs. Um, Sorry francs uh, offered to anyone who could devise a means of you know preserving food and um and so a- a- apert apert a pair i'm just going to call him nick 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 canning nick canning nick he discovered that it was heat not air that kept spoilage away because it was um you know caused by microbes but he didn't really realize what the concept of a microbe was he just was just trying everything um now of course Uh, This was something, people didn't make this connection until Louis Pasteur, obviously of pasteurization, came along about 50 years later. So Nick, the canning whiz, was like way ahead of his time, right? Like way ahead. So then his his whole process involved placing food inside glass jars that were corked, kind of like wine. They're sealed off and then sealed off with a wax seal. They were wrapped in canvas and then they were boiled. Um, And then this, so he submitted this invention to the French government, and he was announced the winner. And some 15 years after he first, um, so you know, so he was announced the winner after he like 15 years of experimenting, and he suddenly wins this competition to help feed French troops traveling across great distances. Um, But interestingly, it was uh, an Englishman called Brian Donkin who, in 1812, who substituted unbreakable tin from. For the glass. So, of course, glass is great, amazing material, but it's pretty fragile, right? So, he was the first one who started thinking about tin. And the tin can industry was born when this chap, Donkin, built his first canning factory. Um, But, of course, initially, the process was really slow and very labor intensive because the cans were handmade. So, this was like quite an involved process. And it took up to six hours to cook them all and heat them all up and make that process work. And it actually meant that canned food was too expensive for ordinary people. It was exclusive. It was really exclusive canned food as opposed to now where it's, you know, like... Cheaper than yeah, cheaper than, than real chips. Food. Yeah. Um, And of course, but the problem was that the can opener wasn't invented for forty years after the can. Oh, so for a long time, error. yeah, so a long time, people had to um, they had to be opened with a hammer and a chisel, or the French <laughs> army used bayonets to open <laughs> their cans. Really safe, safety first, everyone. Which just sounds like which is a horrible way to lose a finger, right? Um, on a can. Whereas like now, I'm I'm obsessed with like um, really really innovative can openers. Like I've gone through quite a few probably in the, the last 10 years any only two types I will use because yeah. I know that they
0: have a success rate the others I, I, yeah. I, I look yeah. at the design and I know that's not going to be the a good one the worst
1: part is the ones that don't feel very safe are just so satisfying to oh you know oh, you do that you t- know that t-
0: yeah guys get on facebook live we want you to see
1: what <laughs> is <cruises> doing. <laughs> but
0: the one that i'm using is sort of i don't even have a motion for it it's kind of like a
1: oh right sure yeah Like a, okay okay yeah. is it is it is it an automatic or a manual manual, manual. it's much more satisfying it is it's very dangerous to use <laughs> <though>. <laughs> now of course so we're talking about we're talking about the history of canning now, um, it wasn't that cans have been without; they haven't been without scandal. So, of course, what was interesting today is we think, okay, there are every every year billions of cans are sold throughout the world, billions. Um, and of course, the, as I mentioned, the first first chap who mass produced these tin cans was this guy Brian Donkin in the UK in the early 1800s. He then went on to supply the Royal Na- um, Navy. Because, of course, if we if you remember back to school days when we used to talk about uh, sailors and, and on the sea and what was a big problem people used to have was scurvy. Scurvy, yeah. Um, of course, and like and people used to think the scurvy was because everyone was preserving everything in salt, um, but it wasn't. It was because they weren't vitamin getting any vitamin C. vitamin, Yeah, vitamin C. But, yeah, of course, now, of course, it's quite disgusting to think that you've got, you know, um, people don't really want to eat highly salted meat for such a long time. Um, but so anyway so this this idea was that this guy donkin was um the chap in in england who started producing cans and allowing um, food to be put into cans and he got some really good testimonials from people in different um different positions of authority uh there was an engineer called john Dixon who in 1815 said i gave my visitors a round of english beef which was cooked by Messrs. donkin and gamble two years and four months before so um this was Donkin. Donkin and his business partner had put this beef. They would cooked it. They put it in a tin. And this engineer was opening it, and he said that he they'd cooked it two years and four months before he opened it, which, with a glass of wine, made no bad lunch, right? <laughs> which is, I guess, quite like, an original food. A food review. Right. Uh, uh, Captain George King um, of the Mary and Susanna in 1813 said, I have the pleasure of saying the meats and soups I opened during the voyage were as good as when first put up and I have no doubt will keep in any climate. Which must have been revolutionary if you were, a, uh, you know, a captain of a ship. And basically, your job as a captain of a ship in those days was just to watch your men slowly die of malnutrition. That was basically your number one, your number one responsibility, right? Um, captain A. W. Schomberg of the H. M. S. York in 1814 said. I think it is a most excellent thing for the ship's company, and particularly those in a convalescent state. Two men who were very ill and weak have considerably recovered from the use of it over these last few days. (laughs) Would you be surprised if you're on death's door from starvation and you eat something? You might not be. Um, But, yeah, so it was was very, very interesting. And... um, probably the most gratifying seal of approval to Donkin's company came from Sir Joseph Banks on behalf of the Royal Society who opened a can of veal two and a half years old and declared it to be in a perfect state of preservation. So that's like, a, that's almost like, like a, a, that's seal, a royal of seal of approval. Yeah. Right? You know, that's like a big deal to have your, you know, your canned veal. And of course, Banks went on to describe Donkin's work as one of the most important discoveries of the age we live in, which it is. And none of us think about when you think about eating spaghetti hoops, you don't think about all of the innovation and the time that went into to making these products. But the problem was they did have a bit of a PR problem. So, of course, um, I think the, the, the fact of the matter is that people think that you know certain foods were prized. You want to preserve meat. That's more exciting than preserving some potatoes or some carrots. Because, again, at the time, people didn't recognize that you also need the potatoes and the carrots for nutritional balance and everything, right? Um, but the problem was in in 1852. Um, this this was this is what caused I think the start of maybe canned food not having such a good reputation. There was a big scandal. So a group of meat inspectors gathered at the Royal Clarence Victu. Victualling yard in Portsmouth and they were open so this is just before all the ships go out this is all the cans that are going on to the ships and they opened 306 cans of meat that were destined to go to the navy right to go out on all these ships it was not until the 19th can that they found one fit for human consumption Oh, dear. instead of perfectly preserved beef they found putrid meat that was so rotten that the stone floors needed to be coated with chloride of lime to mask the stench according to an account it they, the floors needed to be bleached to remove the smell of this meat yeah. um, and a lot of the time the smell was so bad the inspectors had to leave and they fished out pieces of heart Rocket, rotting tongues from dogs or sheep, awful blood, a whole it perfectly putrid things, ligaments, tendons, like this was not meat. This was like proper food scandal. This is like,
0: you somebody know, somebody put
1: something else. In. Horse meat in IKEA meatballs, <laughs> eat your heart out. Like this was like a proper scandal, right? Um, they condemned over 260 cans that day and gave the remaining 42 which doesn't seem like much to the poor um, and of course a lot of the organs that they found in these cans were from diseased animals and basically it was the review showed that they'd um, they had a supplier um, who had won this contract by undercutting all of the rivals in terms of cost which again like this yeah. is, we're talking about like 1850s and people were still kind of doing this sort of thing right um, and, and he had um he had cheap la- labor working at his meat factory in what is now Romania so he was supplying the british navy with romanian offal um and of course then um as his contract just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger because people realized you know and of course i guess it's just one of those things that gets away with you you can't handle it you start putting bits of dog in a can and shipping it out with the navy we've all been there so it was this horrible this horrible thing but of course this this created a huge problem in terms of the pr around using these foodstuffs but that didn't stop people uh taking um taking cans like all over the world and they did they they've, they've been to the arctic um they've you know for over for you know for, for hundreds of years now explorers have been eating canned food and it has really changed the way things happen um of course if i'm going to skip ahead way ahead there's like i highly recommend people read into this because it's so fascinating but i'm also really conscious of time and that i'm not going to be we have five minutes yeah i'm not going to be able to fit in like 300 years of can history in five minutes so i'm just going to skip ahead a wee bit Um, Now, um, of course, when we think about cans for the general public, so this wasn't a wartime time of need thing, condensed milk was the first mass-produced object that people bought in shops um, in the 1850s as well, right? So at the same time, they had meat scandals. People were doing this. And, of course... um, uh, as an urban farms were gradually disappearing because people were moving to city centers when cities were starting to form people weren't farming and of course um, farms disappeared and people turned from fresh to canned milk because it was quite hard to get the fresh milk um, and then of course we have uh, the heinz can so oh, heinz yeah. are obviously quite famous for this because of baked beans um, so in 1895 um, they uh, they were you know the uk um, they that's when they started canning uh, beans as well. Uh, the UK is the world's biggest baked bean eater. but um, And uh, the US remains impervious. It's not even in the top 10. So the UK still leads in terms of the baked beans. bean consumption. Um uh, but yeah, so it's, 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 um, it's quite an interesting concept that you have this idea that, you know, people are putting stuff in cans, they're being able to keep cans, we've got different kinds of cuisine. Um, All sorts, chilli con carne, I'm thinking, curry, you, you, can,
0: you can get anything in a can. You can
1: get anything in a can, but I think it's a strange uh, reputation because it's the thing you can't see. You know I've,
0: the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a can, and not in real life, but on the internet, is a, a, a tin can of a whole chicken. Oh, I've seen that. Have you seen that? I as have well? seen that. I
1: think I've seen a tin can of a whole turkey. What? Actually, <laughs> yeah, you fascinatingly. Get... Um, but yeah, but it's come a really long way from when Donkin sort of opened this factory. And the sad thing was that you know this wasn't Donkin's life passion. The guy died. Um, that Brian Donkin, who you know started doing mass-produced cans, he died in. Um, in. He died kind of never really being known for his inventions. People don't really know where his grave is. They don't really recognise what he contributed to 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 the history of the preservation of food, about how he's helped civilization. And it wasn't really ever his 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 passion at all. So it's kind of a it's kind of a it's sad so thing. Sad, Yeah, but I mean, it has a lasting effect. And I think cans are due for a comeback because when we think about packaging, a tin a tin can does break down. It's infinitely recyclable. And so we have this, you know, when we think about plastic packaging, it might look prettier if you can see the things inside it. But it's not, doesn't have, it has a much worse impact on our environment than a tin can does.
0: Absolutely. And also yeah. a tin can like the, the canning process gets rid of the
1: bacteria as
0: well. So it does. it's always sterile. It's well. always
1: sterile. So it's a really healthy thing to have. Um, but yeah, but I think I think it just has a bit of a PR problem. And it started way back when people found bits of sheep that they weren't expecting. And tongue. <laughs> oh, can you imagine these poor sailors? I know. It's awful. Looking it's forward so to a awful. great meal
0: and all they get is
1: rotten <laughs> meat. Well you know I mean in 1974 they found a um they found a can on a ship that was 200 years old, and they deemed the contents were still suitable for consumption. No!
0: Wow Yeah, I mean, I don't think
1: it would taste very good, but it wouldn't be delicious, but they said it was still suitable for consumption. So, yeah, so I think that's quite an interesting... It's an interesting thing to to think about. I have two quotes that have nothing to do with tin cans, but I thought if we can't um, do a tribute to uh, the tin can master, maybe we can just have some quotes from the Tin Man. Oh, yes. From The Wizard of Oz. How creative. (laughs) So he said, um, the Tin Man said, I'm quoting the Tin Man. He said, I shall take the heart, for brains do not make one happy, and happiness is the best thing in the world the lovely good and the next one is you people with hearts have something to guide you and need never do wrong but I have no heart so I must be very careful.
0: Yeah. Again, a beautiful quote yeah, from the Tin yeah, from Man. From the tin man. So yes. it's just
1: showing tin, tins, there's a lot of heart in the tin story. And <laughs> inspires a lot. I,
0: I, did not, I didn't get a chance to ask you, Cruz, what's uh, some of your favourite uh, tin food items oh, that you've come beans. across? Yeah, okay, yeah. Tinned
1: beans. I'm a fan of all tinned beans. Tin chopped tomatoes. Oh, yes. Yeah, tinned coconut
0: milk.
1: That. I like live off a tin. I live out of a tin.
0: I forgot about yeah. the tin chopped tomatoes. I, right. I use that for right. my bolognese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And what else do I, I,
0: I love a bit of condensed milk. Oh, a sure. and condensed and sure, I, I sure. like that. Yeah. As yep. well on toast. That's huge in Hong Kong's ta tan thing, you know, you could put yeah, that on yeah, a bit of exactly. toast.
1: It's very satisfying. Yeah. But I think there um I think I, I really I can't say this strongly enough. I really believe that cans are, are due for a comeback. I think we can make tin can food so much cooler than it is. Um, I think so. I mean, too. it's heavy and it's cumbersome and things like that. But I remember seeing a video once about a man in a Japanese factory who would have all the tins come past him. And just by tapping the, the tin and the sound, the reverberation sound, he could tell what was inside the tin. Like if it was pineapples or hot dogs or whatever it was, it was amazing. It was on TV when we were kids in Hong Kong. And I was like, how can someone do that? But I think I'm like... You would be from Japan, and you would be this sort of genius tin I know. can master. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, tin
0: pineapples.
1: Yeah, Love a bit see, of that. So much I'll tell stuff. you who's a
0: big fan of tin pineapples, or pineapples in general, Hugh Chiverton. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, sure. so-
1: would you catch him in his office just with a tin of pineapples?
0: Probably. Yeah, yeah probably right now. <laughs> well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time today, Cruz, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank yep. you very much. And a quick look at the weather forecast.